0: Heavenly Father, we do ask that for Jesus' sake, your word may be of a blessing to us, a lamp to our feet, a light to our path. We are thankful that we could celebrate a Reformation heritage that unites us as believers uh, as we come to recognize by your grace uh, the wonders of your love for us, the comforts and joys that we may know uh, through that single yet profound way in which you have been a blessing to your people through the gospel of Jesus Christ. May your word be a blessing to us now, too, so that we might serve you well, both in worship and in the world in which we find ourselves. We pray in Christ's name, amen. We're going to be taking a look this morning at 1 Corinthians 1, 10 through 17, and I could easily have gone to the catechism on a Sunday like this because it gets to that point where it. Talks about why it is that you believe all these things, and it speaks to the fact that it's by Christ alone that we are made righteous, and that would be perfect for the Reformation uh, celebration today too. But I also wanted to not lose sight of 1 Corinthians uh, because I wasn't here last week, and Reverend Lee is in the pulpit this week in the evening, and I thought, well, let's let's pick up on 1 Corinthians 1, 10 through 17, so we don't lose any. Momentum in that series, also. So I will be going back, Lord willing, to uh, evening services with First Corinthians and continue my confessional preaching in the morning next week. But we're looking at First Corinthians 1, then right now 10 through 17, as we uh, hear about the apostolic call for unity in this portion of God's word. Let's hear from that portion, then First Corinthians 1, 10 through 17. To you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be united in the same mind and the same judgment. For it has been reported to me by Chloe's people that there is quarreling among you, my brothers. What I mean is that each of you, each, excuse me, that each one of you says. I follow Paul, or I follow Apollos, or I follow Cephas, or I follow Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized into the name of Paul? I thank God that I baptized none of you except Crispus and Gaius, so that no one may say that you were baptized in my name. I did baptize also the household of Stephanas. Beyond that, I do not know whether I baptize anyone else, for Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, and not with words of eloquent wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. Indeed, we thank the Lord for his word and I mentioned in prayer, we certainly pray that the Lord's word would be a blessing to us in this day, to his glory. Congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, Paul's call for unity in the church in Corinth reminds us that divisions in churches and among churches are nothing new to the church of Jesus Christ. In fact, already in the Old Testament, as we see the covenant people being Brought together, being called together. Uh, Nevertheless, there were divisions there too among the covenant people. Some of them had to be uh, because of differences between true and false. But you had the the divisions between Cain and Abel, Isaac and and Ishmael, Jacob and Esau. Uh, Divisions among the 12 tribes between Israel and Judah. Uh, and, uh, and yet, yeah, some of those had to be that way. There's certainly a, a, a natural division that occurs in the world. Uh, we're not all that brotherhood of people just because we're human. Uh, there is the seed of the woman, and there is the seed of the serpent. There is the church, and there is the world. And so there have to be some division. Divisions that are not unheard of in the on the pages of Scripture and and we have to be thankful at the same time that scripture addresses these matters so that we can see them rightly you know where there has to be divisions and and where there should not be we recognize that it's difficult to see the union of the church of Jesus Christ in the midst of sinful people you know when you, when we got together as a synod this past week or this, this two weeks ago uh, you start recognizing the challenge that's even there when you have hundreds of people that are there trying to gain consensus over things, as opposed to having 10, 12, 15 people in a leadership role or you just have your own particular church that you have to deal with. The challenges to be one are there before us on this side of glory. And yet we're called to believe, and rightly so, because it comes to us from the Word of God that there is a holy Catholic and Apostolic Church. Not because we're also good at manifesting that, but it's because God's Word speaks to us about that. There is one flock, and there is one Shepherd, in accordance with the Word of God, and that's what we confess. This morning, we want to consider the causes, though, of divisions that have caused the Apostle Paul. Uh, to call the people at Corinth to unity, where he says, I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree. And uh, as we do that, we, we hope, as the points bring out to us, that we can see what the causes of the divisions were here, but also the solution to the division. So we, we which is. Good way to look at it, right? I mean, it, you're looking at the problems and you're looking at the solutions. So those are our two points today. Uh, we see, first of all, the causes of the division. And in, in this particular case, and it's not bringing out an exhaustive list of things that cause division, but in this passage, we can see three things particularly. One seems to have to do with ethnicity. One has to do with uh, more of a—closely a, related to it is pride— uh, almost being star-crossed, as it were. There's this this uh, almost celebrity kind of uh, uh, of mentality that was there, uh, but also the sacraments were were as a moment uh, in this case w- was was an issue there when it came to, to divisions and why they were being uh, carried out like they were. So we look at those three things a moment. There there are, there are these different reasons for the divisions. You know, when we hear the callings, I'm of Cephas, and I'm of Paul, and I'm of Apollos, and I'm of Christ. Uh, One of the causes of the divisions could be their ethnicity. Corinth was a cosmopolitan town. In other words, this was a place where you saw multi-ethnicity taking place. There were people that lived there who were Jews, and there were people that lived there who were Gentiles. And some of the names that are mentioned here are, have been associated with ethnicity. Peter is, or Cephas as he's called here, is, is oftentimes associated with the preacher of the Jews, even though he went to Cornelius, who was a Gentile. And Paul has been tied to the Gentiles, and Paul has said that, that I was called to preach to the Gentiles. So some people could have been making the gospel a, a matter of ethnicity. And in the process of doing that, one's identity then is based more on who you were, what you look like, what color you were, what race you were, more than it being a matter of faith, a matter of grace, a matter of how the Lord has changed your heart on the inside. We celebrate the Reformation this time of the year. But for some, it can seem to be a celebration of ethnicity as if we were bound together in the Reformed faith because we were of a certain kind of ethnic heritage. Some people have seen it that way. Well, you're Reformed because you're Dutch. Well, not everybody in this room is Dutch. Not everyone. But there's that idea that that the reason why you're Reformed is because of, of your background, of your national background. And people used to talk about how how it was important that we burn our wooden shoes in the Reformed faith. And sad to say, when people talked like that, what they were really doing was they were misidentifying matters of faith with matters of ethnicity. And of course, ethnicity can be a barrier to a unity in the faith if it becomes more important to us than the faith itself you know a church whose agenda and and, and it's, it's increasingly become that way in, in places where whose agenda is more politically based on race than the christian faith is divisive and and it's ironic because you know a lot of times these people say well we're trying to bring people together and in the process they end up dividing people all the more Uh, when when, when, When your church's agenda is based on race, it's divisive, it's false, and the reason it's false is because the priority of Christ, whose salvation transcends the nations, is substituted for the priority of race. That inevitably, when you're going to focus on a particular race, It is inevitably inevitably going to be divisive by its very nature, as opposed to the King of kings and the Lord of lords, who's calling all the nations to himself. So this is one of the issues, and closely related to it is an issue of pride. Another reason for the division is pride, which comes up a bit in, in the ethnicity. Because what becomes more important, what becomes most important, is one's ethnicity. That's my primary identity, identifying point. But pride or power seems to be part of what's motivated uh, in the contentions at at Corinth, the attitudes there. You notice all the eyes. I'm a Paul or whoever it is that's mentioned here. Paul realizes that the focus is in the entirely wrong place. People are taking pride in associating with various church leaders. And there was a star quality about that, undeniably here, in various people's minds. I'm of Apollos. Apollos was in Alexandria, very polished in his approach, and that appealed to people. Peter, after all, had been with the Lord uh, in his discipleship, and, and he was always highly regarded. Paul had been with the church from very early on. But people were choosing their favorite leaders, as if they were the ones to whom they belonged. And they were the ones that had a certain power about them. They were the ones that were worthy of following and and heeding over against the others. And perhaps some had it right when they, they said they belonged to Christ, but but perhaps they were saying that they were of Christ when others were, because you know there was something about them that others didn't have. The mentality did seem to conclude the idea that one was better than the other. I'm of this group, not of that group. Or that one was good and the others were not. So they ended up bragging or boasting that they belonged to one group that was better than the other, superior to the others, to be followed over against the other. And the irony with the factions was that everyone that's mentioned here were all promoting the same faith. When it came to Apollos and and Paul and Cephas, despite what people would think, There was nothing about these men that in and of themselves made them worthy of following. It wasn't what they were that was worthy of following. It was the one faith that they were preaching that was worthy of following. And none of these men were looking at what they were doing as a competition of pride against the others. Paul would say in 1 Corinthians 3, in fact, I planted the seed, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. And he would say, you know, you're boasting about men. And that's bound to divide people. Instead of boasting about the Lord, about the one faith that they're promoting, which is bound to unite. The local church can be tempted that way, too. The local church can be divided by that star power today, and I think that can happen especially today because you have such an access to so much information out there. And a lot of good information. A lot of bad information, but a lot of good information. And so there's a temptation to say, well, you know, we don't need the local church so much because I can go and pull something up online and, and get my feeding there, and in fact, sometimes better, it seems to me. You know, we, we see how a certain church does something, or that, that, that they have a certain leader there, and we're tempted to say, well, that's how we should be. You know, maybe there are some things about it we can gain from it. We don't want to leave that out, because we do believe in the communion of the saints, and the broader church, the ability to, to, uh, to gain from what others have, have to offer. But maybe, you know, there's a church that's really big. And you say, well, you know, if we did what they did, then then we'll be big like they are. Instead of asking the question, you know, well, look, let's just focus on what the Word of God tells us we should be and do. Because we can get star-crossed. And and, and it can end up dividing a church. It can end up, when you get star-crossed with church leaves even, it can get worse than that. There's some terrible things that can happen when we when we put our leaders up on pedestals. We think they can do no wrong and sometimes those church leaders themselves think they can do no wrong. And then they do wrong. And the church suffers for it. And we've seen too much of that. You know? People can say, Well, I, I go to this church but you know, who I really like is this guy I hear on TV or or on the radio or on the internet and and I wish our church had people like them leading the church. You can have that. It's not that our leaders are bad necessarily, but they're just not like the guys that everybody knows. They're not as good as they are. They're not as renowned, you know. And that can cause a discontent or even a division, you know, in the church. People in our day and age, of course, can be can be divided simply because you know they follow people who aren't following the faith. That, that's why I say, I mean, there's legitimate things to listen to and to watch and everything else. But then you also have to have discernment about what you're watching. At least when these people were saying in the times of Corinth that they were following whom they were following, you could say, well, all of them were faithful servants of the Lord. But today, there's such a diversity of people who can be heard that it, that it doesn't take much to be following a certain voice that might sound faithful, but isn't faithful at all. And that's going to cause a quicker division amongst churches and in church. I follow the priest. I follow the famous writer. I follow that famous preacher, the, the guy who writes all the books. And, and we're, we're not so much worried about whether or not what they're saying is in line with the faith, as we are, that we're following the famous. And the popular and the powerful. And that certainly can cause divisions in churches and among churches. And Paul says, I want you to agree. That's what matters. I want you to observe and make judgments that align with the faith. He didn't just want people to agree for agreement's sake, because that's no agreement at all. He wanted them to agree for truth's sake, because in doing that, and the people would be truly united. The truth was more important also to to Paul than than the rights of the church. He says, I I wasn't called to baptize. I was called to preach. called to preach the gospel. Evidently, when it came to being baptized, it was a, a shift of focus in baptism away from the gospel and the work of Jesus Christ. The sacrament was more important than the word to some people. They would say, you know, I was baptized baptized by so-and-so. And And he says, I I thank God, you know, that I baptized none of you except Christus and Gaius and a couple of other people as well uh, because I wasn't sent to baptize. I was sent to proclaim the Word of God. The passage reminds us here that while baptism is important, it's still subordinate to the gospel to which it points. People often overestimate. We've mentioned that before. They overestimate the significance of baptism and and they pervert it. So that the light of the gospel and the work of Christ and the grace of God is dim when it's supposed to be shining on Christ. Baptism doesn't save us. Baptism is not about our faith. Baptism is not... First of all, about our family. It's not even about, it's certainly not about the person who's, who's carrying out the baptism. Baptism is first of all about Jesus and what he's done and his spirit and God's covenant grace to us, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. When we baptize children, it's not first of all about the joy of the child's birth or to parade around the baby. It's the joy of God's calling us to himself in his covenant grace in Christ. That's the joy. That's what we should celebrate. That's what should be fun to us in the proper sense. The gospel joy that we see in a baptism. Anything less than that, and we we miss the meaning and significance of baptism, either by underestimating or overestimating or misapplying its value. So, You've got ethnicity, you've got star power uh, leading to pride, and even the sacraments can be causes of divisions, but we, we want to focus on solutions here too. In a very nutshell kind of way, the solution to the divisions in Christ, uh, Christ's church, is Christ. It's his grace. It's his word. The Apostle Paul appeals in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to these people. There cannot be agreement if people are not willing to submit to the apostolic word of Christ. He is speaking in the name of Christ. He is speaking the word of Christ. That's what's going to bring people together. And his gracious word. That was the problem then with unity. And that's the problem today with unity is that when there is division... Pride gets in the way of grace, and disobedience gets in the way of the word, and that's that's basic about division. Grace gets lost in pride, and the word gets lost in disobedience. Paul says Christ cannot be divided. He's the one head of the church, and that head of the church is the reason. There's a church in the first place based on what he did. The church continues to exist today because of what is proclaimed in his name, namely his word. There's one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all. It seems somewhat simple, but because of sin, we make it complicated. We do indeed. We weren't baptized into the name of the famous person or the obscure person who nobody will ever know. The famous church leader is not the one who was crucified for you. He was not the basic reason that your sins were taken away. You are who you are in a church, not because of a certain celebrity, but because of the message of grace of Jesus Christ. And it's that grace, you see, that is supposed to propel our lives, isn't it? That redeeming grace that is held in common is what binds believers together and should bind us together. It's the apostolic word of Christ that needs to bind us together as well, so that our union will not, first of all, be based on our pride or our power or our ethnicity, or who it is that we know, or who's the favorite favorite celebrity that we that we like. But it will be based on the truth of the gospel, the word of Christ. The apostle is going to have a whole lot more to say about, about matters that were dividing people in Corinth than what we see in our passage. There were wrong ways to look at those things, and there were right ways to look at those things. And Paul's going to show them it's the right way that they needed to look at those things That they were going to be agreed all the more. The more they could all agree on those right things, the more united they were going to be. And the more they could work at agreeing on things in a gracious tone, as products of grace, the more united they were going to be. And that gracious spirit need, needs uh, is needed to, to, to heed the call to unite as churches and and as a church today as well. We we have to see our our common but yet not common grace in Christ so that we'll act in gracious ways. And we have to see our common faith in Christ according to his word so that we can grow in union that way. If we proclaim anything less. What we proclaim isn't the gospel of Christ at all. And what we proclaim, like Paul says, is useless. You know, it it isn't easy as sinners to bind together. It's not. Our, Our sin puts wedges between us because sin is not the bond of love. Perfect bonding won't occur until the Lord's return. But that doesn't mean we cannot grow in union on this side of glory. We had to deal with an issue at Synod Niagara, and somebody said, somebody wanted to change one of our our platforms and said, uh, we should say that sometimes it's desirable and sometimes it's not desirable that we seek to be one with churches. And thankfully, the churches said, no, 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 we can't say that. We need to make every effort to to be in the bonds of peace. We may not be able to attain it on this side of glory, but it should always be our desire. It may not always be easy. It may not always be feasible. It may not always be the right time. But you're always desirable of wanting to be one in the bonds of peace. But we realize perfect bonding won't occur until the Lord's return. And it certainly doesn't mean that we cannot grow in union, though on this side of the world. we're called to that, and we seek to do that. You know, with the confessions that we make in the Reformed faith that we celebrate. We shouldn't uh, the these are confessions that we shouldn't stick in some kind of museum and let them collect dust and say, well, isn't that something? How we, what we used to be like that, but well, we're not going to be like that anymore. No, you know, we called them the three forms of unity for nothing. Uh, we don't call them that for nothing. You know, the Heidelberg Catechism, Bell to Confession, hands the door. They bind us together on a common accord. and when we share those confessions, we share a bond in faith. Uh, we, we come to see over time in history that when those confessions are ignored, unity breaks down in churches and among churches. It's unmistakably seen. And that way we, as we... Uh, as we continue to preach them in the churches, we we keep the faith fresh in our minds. We continue to remember that what binds us together is the common faith that we have in the gospel of Jesus Christ, our gracious Savior and head, so that by grace we'll be gracious to one another because we find our common bond in the precious and common faith that we profess to share. So when we talk about causes of divisions and solutions to divisions. We we don't want to be naive to the differences that there can be between people, even Christian people, but that doesn't mean that there isn't a way that we can work at a better union with one another and with others in the faith. We're called to that in our homes. We're called to that in our church. We're called to that in in churches. Um, But it requires a gracious spirit. Uh, that remembers that we are first of all united to Christ in grace and by faith. It requires a submission to the apostolic Word of Christ who calls us to heed His Word in the life of the church together. When we're in, in agreement with Christ's Word, we're going to grow together unto the praise of His glory. Uh, we're we're going to grow together unto the praise of and glory not of ourselves, but the one God. And we're called to profess, has saved us by the one Christ, the one Savior, the one head of the church, so much so the spirit of the Reformation. Amen. Let's take a moment to respond in prayer. Heavenly Father, we're, we're grateful that while in the church of Jesus Christ and in the world we see division, uh, we may find lasting peace, first of all, with you. And we also don't have to despair that there is no way that, that we can come to reconciliation. We can come to agreement. As long as we keep your word in mind as our standard, and as long as we don't forget what that Word tells us about your amazing grace in Christ alone. So that not only we would take joy in that salvation, but that grace will permeate us so that we might live in a gracious manner towards others around us. Because, Lord, we need your Word and we need the impact of your Word in our lives so that we would share in the faith, and share in love in Jesus Christ. So thank you, Father, for the directions of your Word. Not to focus on celebrity, not to focus on our ethnicity, not even to focus on the sacrament so much as we are to be focusing on the Gospel, the Word of Jesus Christ. For there is where we find one. We pray, Lord, that You'd accept our prayers for Christ's sake.